live stream on it, that's okay. All right. Uh, hello. Uh, we are here. We are live. We are um, streaming now, presumably. It says so. Things, things are starting to ding. So yeah, I'm getting I'm getting buzzers everywhere. And it's still evening for me. So good evening. Good evening. Yes. For about two, for about two minutes. Two minutes. Good evening. <laughs> uh, how, how was uh, October fourteenth for you? <laughs> it's been a it's been a busy one. We've been um, we've been in, interviewing new, uh, potential new staff members yesterday. Oh. It's, um, it's been it's been one of them sort of interesting things about you know what what questions do you ask and because I, I hate doing the whole you know just trawl through somebody's CV because you got the CV in front of them. Why do you yeah. need to do that? Um, again, yeah, you, you would have be... looked over that, you know, to begin with, and yeah, and as long as you, you know, you can vaguely string a couple of se couple of sentences together, then I'm good with that. Um, yeah. I want to know more about the actual person. But, uh... Yeah, interviews are always weird. I um and and talk about them a lot on the like it came from and whatnot, but uh, yeah, yeah, interviews are in, interviews are fun because you are hiring because you have a need. And so yeah. most times you will ask questions that fit that need. Um, and then it's always challenging to write questions that address things you don't know you need as well. Uh, and it, it's like the, how do you gel with this type of situation? Yeah. Yeah. In a, you know, in a team environment. Um, yeah. I don't know. It's, it's, uh, it's always interesting. Uh, it certainly kept us, um, because of the because of the pandemic, they've had a, um, a, a, spe a special scheme that you can get people who've been looking for jobs for a while, which most people have if they've been in like sort of particularly in the hospitality industry or stuff like that. Yeah. Then um, they will, you know, some good there's some government support and stuff. So we we take advantage of that in, in many ways. But the amount of people who are out there who've got some serious qualifications and just just didn't realise that you could just go up to people and ask, ask ask for a job. Um, but uh, yeah, so it's good. Well, we've got two more interviews to do tomorrow, and then we get to make some decisions. So, yeah, that's uh, always the hard part too—is the decision making. Uh, sometimes it isn't. It isn't. I don't know about well, you. Yeah, yeah. I sort of have a—I um, don't, I don't know what's the right right thing to say or do. But normally, within <laughs> about the first thirty seconds to a minute, I get a, I get the idea whether I can actually work with somebody or not. Um, you know, you'll then get into the details and there might be other reasons why you, why you may or may not yeah. get to hire somebody, but I'll know within very quickly whether I actually want to um, spend like eight hours a day with this person. Um, yeah, I, uh, I feel that. that. First impressions are really important. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And it's, um, so so there is a bit of that. And then um, out, out of the five five we've got, um, yeah, we've got, we've got two, potentially two positions to offer. So we'll... Um, yeah, it could, it could be exciting. The the worst is when you interview a bunch of people, and you're like, ah, do we take this person that may or may not fit, or do we wait? Because there's a need, yeah. and it's it's like, you know, you're you're up against time, but then you're also not 100. percent You're maybe like 80 percent sure. That's the worst when you're like around that 80 percent threshold. There was a I read an interesting article or. Oh. It must be a few months back now, but the fact that we spend so much time over thinking about you should if you should hire somebody, um, we spend so much time over that. And when actually what we should do is hire really quickly, but also then be willing to fire people quickly. 
So if you get people in and they're great, then because nobody ever shows really what their true colors are at, at, on interview because they might know the skill, they might not know the skills that you want themselves. Um, so, but actually, if you hire somebody and they don't work out, you should have to after the you know during the six month period or whatever it is that you do for probation, be more than willing to say actually it hasn't worked too, Lou. But I'm yeah. not that. I, I can't be that hard faced. I'm just. I'm too yeah, messed up. I know it's it's too much of a risk. It's too much of a risk. <laughs> Uh, all right. Uh, so tonight we are talking about exoskeletons and the like. Uh, and uh, oh, I mentioned this on the show, but man, I I did a little bit of prep here uh, for the show tonight, linking back to some of the past episodes that uh, Human Factors Cast has done on exoskeletons, and there's quite a few. <laughs> you do quite a lot of them. <laughs> But, uh, and here I was thinking, ah, we should probably talk about exoskeletons because Ergo X is coming up. And uh... yeah, anyway, yeah, we do a lot of them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, they're a, they're a cool topic, though, aren't they? Um, they really are, and they're, and they're largely unexplored too. Um, you know, from the human factor space. Yes, uh, there's there's a lot to learn. Um, well, so I think there's loads of opportunities to do some work in in that space as well because there's. Um, most people are doing research on them, but I, I still haven't seen anybody really get a um, a real grip of, of all the uh, productionization of it. Yeah. Um, and the real issues that, that can come out. But yes, there's the, as you can see, I sort of went to town on all the issues that could come up and things like that because there's just loads of them. Yeah, I added to that list too. Uh, so we'll, oh, yes. we'll get into it. Uh, Barry Williams in the chat uh, says, hey, how are you guys? Ah, uh, hi, Barry. I, I know Barry's a friend of mine. <laughs> he, he lives around the corner. Good evening. Good. Yes. No, good morning, Barry. What you do? What you do up at this early hour? Um, but no, great, great to have you on board. Very early and and or late for you all over there. Yes. Uh, have you been Have you been getting in naps on Thursdays? You've been filling in for Blake for a while. <laughs> so I'm I'm now rescheduled Fridays. Fridays now have oh, okay. um, between, so normally I would have a, um, I'd be up at stakes, normally have an eight o'clock meeting, eight, eight o'clock uh, team meeting. That has now been cancelled for the next month. Um, and now I'm now, <laughs> I'm now sleeping to, well, I've, I've, I've literally scheduled in sleep until 10 o'clock in the morning on Friday mornings. Um, oh, that's, that's the way to go. Well, it's, I don't normally, do, I can't really do lie-ins and I guess it's because it, I've got sort of a bit of a forces background and so sort of used to just getting up and going. Um, but I was... I, I was it was it after the second one I did, maybe even after the first one. It was after the second one because we had a workshop with some with some clients and and I wasn't worth looking. At. Apparently, I was grouchy. Oh, uh, I know you wouldn't. Be, I know you wouldn't believe it, but I I was proper <laughs> grouchy. <laughs> and, uh, and I was like, and, and Amanda, my wife's going, you need to get sleep. Either you nap in the afternoon, but which I can't. I can't do the naps in the afternoon. I just feel rubbish afterwards. Um, and she was like, no. Wipe out Friday morning. Friday morning, you just got to sleep in because you can't do that every week. Or at least not everybody else can have you doing that every week. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. Again, thank you for filling in. Um, I know I've gotten some questions through our email about Blake and whether he's okay. He's fine. Uh, we And I'll say this on the show, too, um, because I feel like the listeners deserve to know. Uh, he's we are We are a podcast of integrity. And we like to do things the right way. Uh, Blake has accepted a new position in which he has to get uh, approval to do this. Um, and so we are going through the correct channels. And it is just a little bit backlogged. And that's okay. We'll get through it. Fair enough. Um, 
Anyway, yeah. So uh, let's, why don't we, while we're in the pre-show here, why don't we take a couple of these It Came Froms and we'll see kind of what we're looking at for uh, tonight's episode. We'll see what kind yeah. of good questions we have. I haven't actually looked through them since uh, last I've, week. No, I've chucked a new one in this evening. So the one Okay, the great. Just under bang. Um, so interviewers said that they needed innovation. So it's, it's about, you know, basically people want innovation, but what is innovation? Um, mm. Um, okay. So I quite like that one because it's it's something quite close to my heart. High innovation. Ooh, yeah. How do you define innovation? Yeah. Chaotic uh, company. Ooh, boy. Oh, that's that's a great question. Yeah, let's it's got, uh, let's. It's, it's got it all over it. Let's. We're moving that one in, um, unless we find something better. Yeah. Like, but that's we'd have to find two better things for, or I guess three better things for it to not make it in. So that's good. Uh, I am going back to October 7th, which was the episode of last week's, or that was the date of last week's episode. Um, we've talked about portfolio case studies without images before. Uh, yep. I feel like we've talked about that fairly recently, too. Um, we talked about portfolios last week. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, companies. Uh, did, did, did we do this jump from a junior to a mid role? I think we did that. Uh, or, or wait, is that in the bank? That's in the bank, right? That's in the bank, yeah. Yeah, it is. Ooh. Oh, this, this is one about heat maps. Or, as they put it, heat maps are shit. <laughs> Which I thought was like, that, that was simple. Um, there's, there's, okay, there's, there's one that I, that I really uh, am interested in your opinion on. Uh, and it's more design in nature, but I feel like this could be applied to other things outside of design. So uh, it's using my company's design language in a personal project. Um, so they've defined their company's design language to the point where they find it incredibly intuitive to design with. They're a co-founder of the company, but it's owned by a large conglomerate. They're working on a personal project uh, and basically wanting to know if they can use it. They asked their CEO. It's probably not a big deal, but I'm skeptical. So basically the, the ask here is, is, is this within your right to use if you've helped to find it? If you are a uh, co-founder, if you have CEO approval, but there's another owner. Like I don't know. There's a lot going on here. Yeah, I think that's quite a good one because actually you get into into the whole um, intellectual property issue. Who owns? Yeah. If you design using it, what comes out afterwards? Yeah, uh, that's a and that's kind of why I wanted to get to it is because of that IP issue. Um, I probably see a urologist for that. But uh, <laughs> did anyone get that joke? <laughs> <laughs> Hold on. I'll, I'll just check the chat. <laughs> <laughs> I said the IP issue, and I said probably need a urologist for anyone who missed it. See that that was almost that was almost British in its subtlety. Oh, oh, I'm flattered. I'm flattered. Uh, <laughs> See, clearly, clearly, it's becoming a good experience for you. <laughs> uh, oh, there's one. There's one I just saw there, which I thought would be quite. Good, I've lost. Oh yeah, so there was the. Um, I like the, the, the. There's one on there which is no good for the show, but actually, how to phrase this question in a job interview? 
Um, I've had an interview for a UX designer role, but would like to focus on UX research in the future. So I'd like to ask, will I get the chance to do some user research and develop my skills in this area? Mm. Not sure how to phrase it professionally. So Mike, comment as well, just ask, will you ask, will you get to do some user research in the future? I don't see why that's so difficult, uh, personally. Yeah, I mean, I I would, yeah, that's a great question to ask in an interview. If you're looking to branch out, I mean, like, uh, say, you know, I've always had an interest in this topic or that topic. As long as it's tangentially related, I don't see there any, like, harm in, in at least mentioning it, saying, hey, you know, can I a, get involved? If it's, a large, yeah, if it's a large company, then... It's almost, a little easier. Um, but it's... I mean, again, this Ooh. is one... It's a slightly weirder thing being in the UK because we don't have so the the the, the delineations between the roles is, is is much much less so um you know a designer researcher would probably be all the same person um just because we, we there isn't that isn't that many practitioners uh. hmm I, i'm looking at this other one called I hate service design help uh it's um, I can yeah. I consult on a team that's embedded in a very large company company build things with four wheels and invented the assembly line I wonder which one uh, <laughs> uh that one might that one might go too far I think it's too specific with uh, which company that is and we don't like we don't like playing the gotchas over here we're not going to do it. No, hey. Making that call now. <laughs> I didn't. I didn't catch that on the first one. <laughs> but, uh, HCI and organizations. Hello, I've uh, joined an online class about HCI. I've only had one class so far. Um, told in, told to look into how HCI is done uh, in organizations. Let's see here. No. Uh, well, hang on. You 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 check check marked that. Yeah, one. I'm just trying to work out why I check marked it because actually reading it again, I'm like, that's a that's rubbish. <laughs> Let me alter that. <laughs> okay, I'll, I'll I'll give you a pass. Uh, interesting methods page. Uh, uh, I like pass. There was one further down. Which one was it? The basically said. Um... Oh, there we go. Need your professional advice, please. Can you look at this web page and tell me how to how to fix it? <laughs> um, yes, I, my my rates are on my website. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> no kidding. See, I'm I'm now tempted just to look at the website just to um, see just how bad it was. Uh, yeah. Oh, it's actually four or four not found anyway. So <laughs> I can tell you that I can give you a real quick answer. It's bad. <laughs> uh, it, it doesn't <laughs> exist. <laughs> Oh, um. uh, looking at how good my profile. Um, there's a couple in here about you know profile for uh, higher education admissions, which I feel like it's been a while since we addressed like the under from the undergrad perspective, like how to get into grad school. That one might be a good candidate. Um, I feel like we've been focused on like early career, mid career stuff a lot lately and really haven't got a we'll whole lot of get, student feedback. Yeah, definitely put it in the bag. Yeah, let's let's put it in the bag. Uh, I still feel like we might be able to find a better one here. There's the one about user flow presentation strategies. Um, 
and that I do most of mine with Figma and PowerPoint. PowerPoint is my is is key yeah. as far as I'm concerned. So that's my short answer. Um, <laughs> anyone a researcher would come in with a low research budget. Yeah, welcome to my life. <laughs> Heat maps. Okay, I finally caught up to heat maps. I'm on October 12th uh, is where I'm at. Uh, cool. The that's an interesting. It's sort of it, it is an interesting one because the um, it's basically making things. If you're doing website design and stuff, that heat maps are um, are rubbish. Yeah, I don't like heat maps. I don't like using heat maps. It's. It seems like it's. It has a very specific application where, in most cases, uh, you're going to get by just fine with other tools. It seems like. Uh... Oh, that's a di- no. Actually, that's a different one to what I was reading because there's there's another one further down that says heat maps are crap. Um. Ah. Where's that one? Da, 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 da. Oh yeah, there's one on. They actually only came in yesterday. Um, the basis says that heat, heat maps are shit, um, which is subtle again. Yeah. Um, but again, it, it actually contrasts nicely with that one. Um, basically, somebody said that heat maps are rubbish and you can't get anything from them. Um, the, there's one about how do you approach a product redesign, which is uh, pretty interesting. Um, have, have you ever approached a complete redesign of something? Um, yes. Well, yeah, quite. I mean, I think I was trying to explain this actually just today to the candidates that probably I would say 78% of our work is is going back into where they didn't do right in the first place. Stripping mm. it down and, and starting up again. But it's... I, I've always thought of it as kind of like three different phases, right? You have like the minor cosmetic, uh, easy, low-hanging fruit things. And then you have kind of the the slightly deeper fixes that may be more workflow related where you know you might need to fix a couple things uh but you know from a system perspective they're they're a little bit deeper and then there's the complete redesign right yeah uh you you tack on enough of those level twos and you get a level three redesign uh yeah i think it's it's not one of these things if you can get a a couple of the if there's only like so you might want to do a couple of you know, chunky rewrites. If there's a, um, you know, if, if it's just going to be a couple of them, just to get things, you know, re- in a different zone and a better zone. But actually, yeah, sometimes you just could put a say, uh, you let's start again. It's easier. How about this? I'm I'm not sold on it yet, but I I will put it in the bank. Okay. Uh, I like putting things in that bank. Uh, save them for a rainy day. Uh, user flow res- uh, strategies. You you brought that one up here. Multi branded websites with good UX I don't care um, <laughs> um, uh, hiring design leadership in a startup mm, don't have enough experience with that to answer it uh, how to deal with a low research budget that one's that one could be a good one well yeah because yeah, I mean, fundamentally, because nobody ever, as in, you never have enough research budget, and so you right. always have to compromise. So, I mean, I don't think they give a number amount here, but like, how do you how do you tackle things like recruiting, or how do you t- 
tackle? Like what yeah. tools you use? And um... so it does. It's interesting to say coming from a huge organization with unlimited budget. Um, I can't. I've worked for some large customers. I actually like it. I've never I, been in an unlimited budget exercise. I think, yeah, I think we're going to take it because um, I do want to bring up the point of like, you know, uh, let's say here, the the fact that you have constraints might make you more creative in how you collect data. Uh, and but no, unlimited budget is almost terrifying. I'd like, I wouldn't mind it, but it would terrify me from a... <laughs> we're going to grab eye tracking and do nothing with it and... Well, this is, I mean, we, we've just recently set up um, an eye tracking lab. I said eye tracking lab, it's a PC with an eye tracker on it um, in, in the office. And, and literally, I, did, I pulled it together off, um, off an eye tracker from eBay, um, you know, a gaming tracker, packed the code a bit, and, and pulled all that stuff together. And it's, it's enough to do what we wanted to do without it being a, you know, so, so for like 500 quid, uh, 500 pound, the, um, the difference between that and what we've been doing. Um, you know, with a really big, expensive job, it's almost yeah. the same. I'm, I'm quite pleased with the output, actually. See, now you, you, you stole one of my secrets. There is like you call something a lab to make it seem more impressive uh, than it actually is. I'd never say this about our lab. Our lab is quite sophisticated. Uh, it's got multiple rooms and everything. Yeah, we so. have we have yeah multiple rooms. We have multiple uh tracks multiple work threads multiple whatever you want to call them um simultaneously and asynchronously collaborating within the lab space yeah and lots of lots of serving on it <laughs> you call it something else all right let's see here so i want to bring these up to the top here oh right i'm still getting notifications from when we used to do the show at 4 30. let's see here um here we go that's where i wanted to put them yeah. up we're gonna say uh answer some questions from the community about defining innovation i think that one's gonna be the best one of the night honestly let's see defining innovation um uh the tricky boundaries of intellectual property. And using them in your own work. This is and dealing with low research budgets. And that sound better and optimizing strategies for dealing with. Barry Williams in the chat. My lab is my home shed office. Do some awesome, awesome stuff in there. <laughs> well, Barry's actually a, um, a 3D printing genius. Oh, uh, so we did a lot of work through the pandemic. We, we got a, um, we, basically part of a, what we call the a farming, a 3D print farm where we were printing 3D uh, 3D face masks for the NHS, for the health service. And um, I've got, I kind of got into 3D printers a while ago and, and have a few, but I'm not very good at it. I can get them set up and as long as I've, I have to be focused and get them all right and do all that sort of stuff. Anyway, through that I met 
Um, I met Barry, and um, he's he's really got an attention for detail for it. He can make them sing. And um, and so whenever I was having problems, I was always on messaging him going, Barry, it's broken again. What do I do? <laughs> and um, and he, he'd be really, really nice. And sort of like, it's okay, bring it up, drop it around, I'll sort it out. And babe, have you tried it? doing it in such a nice way of, instead of going, Barry, you're a moron, will you stop breaking it? I was like, have you tried this? And I've, you know, in, in his, um, he, he puts up with me quite a lot. You know, um, the, the the scariest thing for me, so I, I have an Ender 3 Pro, and uh, the scariest thing for me was when I hadn't used it in, like, months, and I tried to get back into it and print out something that I was really excited about. It's sitting right behind me, in fact. Uh, it's right there. It's a little droid head. Um, oh, and cool. and uh, I, I, I got back into it, and, and uh, it was the tube um, had clogged at the nozzle so i was dealing with both a tube clog and a nozzle clog simultaneously and you know i would unclog one and the other one would get more clogged and then i'd unclog that one and then the nozzle would get clogged again uh and it was just um it was one of those things where it's the same experience when you like put together your own pc and you put everything in and you think it's right and you hit the start button and it doesn't startup yeah uh you're like where did i go wrong so um, you know so we do a lot of that and the um so and i'm i'm actually powered up my printers for for a bit because we've been trying to find out a place to have them so i've been creating workbenches and stuff and all that for them so we need to get them all set back up again and, and working because my son wants to learn how to use them and things but it's 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 i find it's not an easy thing to teach especially yeah. when with myself but and just turning around and said watch youtube which is all I learned from, really, and then, like I said, friends and um, friends give me advice. Um, but uh, yes, it's it's well because it's it's not just the uh, there's the physical side of things with setting up the equipment and making sure it's all good, and then there's like an art to slicing, yeah. uh, and and getting the print settings correct so that way, you know, in harmony, you have the the print settings. Uh, with the fine tuning of the equipment, and they come together to make this 3D object out of yeah. additive materials. It's it's really clever. I mean, fundamentally, you you know, when you can print stuff just in your room and just have. So I've got now a um, I've got a sword up on my wall as you do, um, but I, I sort of 3D printed the uh, the bracket to oh, yeah. hang the sword, things like that. And um, I I've got I had some um, I got some speakers that have a um, sort of you know, like a DJ set of speakers that you can put outside and things like that. And the the bracket inside that that held it onto onto the mount had, had snapped and broken. And so I spent um, again this was another mini lockdown project, but half a day designing the bracket um, in in simple uh, Thinkercad, and then was able to three D print it. And I was like, for basically nothing except about seven hours of my time, um, I've been able to recreate this, which I would never never have found a spare for. And, and the speaker would have been permanently broken. So I, I, was, I was very proud of myself. But then I'm proud of you too. It's, it really is. Yeah, I, I got one in uh, in lockdown as well. Um, and it, it is just one of those things where you're like, to, to see the creation that you have designed yourself um, come out into the world as this like custom-made part, right? Like I, I took measurements in, in my car and for like there's a little um there's a little gap in between like the the center 
media console and and yeah. the like I don't I don't even know what to call it. Anyway, there's a there's a little gap there, and it's right below where you plug in uh, all your accessories. And I have like an extra uh, accessory thing that allows for you know multiple USBs to plug in and both of my dash cams to plug in and all that stuff. And I 3D printed a housing for it that fit just right in there. I think it took me like four iterations to get it just right, snug. Everything fits perfect. Um, and it's it's wonderful. It's it really cool. is just wonderful. It's it's so nice when you can <sighs> you can create something that is just nicely bespoke for your needs, but you can um and you can look at it with, with a sense of pride and achievement. Yes. Um, but uh no, I quite like doing that. I mean, my problem is that with things like that is I start getting into it as a hobby. And I've now got I'm trying to work out one, two, three, four, five three D printers. Thinking about oh, ranging wow. from very small ones to one that's it's too big for me, really. Um, but it's um, yeah, we we're trying to um, trying to make them work. But it's um, yeah, I need I need to get back into it because I, I do enjoy it when I do it. It's just it, they do take up more time and effort than um, than I can be bothered with at times. Uh, here's some here's some advice. Uh, I'll, many confuse a clog with bad speed settings. So if the extruder clicks at the first layer, could be close to the bed, or if it clicks uh, more up in the print, that's due to a filament speed settings. Uh, that's due to filament speed settings. Have a look, see where it clicks. Uh, walls are infill, and adjust your machine. That's that's good advice. There you go. That's good advice. So, see, yeah. we could do an entire podcast now on 3D printing. Exactly, exactly. No, so. there's there's plenty of content creators out there that do uh, <laughs> a much better job than I could ever do. <laughs> so, so we, yes, yeah, so I, I would call it more like bubbling, printing in the dark. So. <laughs> uh, let's see here. We got we got two minutes before we want to go on here, uh, or rather, a minute and a half or so. Uh, I'm just taking one last quick look through the notes, making sure we are all good to go. I think we are. Yeah, um, we go live, actually. In fact, I'll show you afterwards anyway, but we've um, I've got new audio for my podcast. I need to share it with you and see Ooh. if you think before I go live with it. Because I'm I'm in two minds that I think I like it, but I'm not sure. Ooh. So 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 is that something you would want to share in the post show? Yes, we'll do it in the post show. Okay, and, great. Yeah. And, so uh, stick around uh, for a sneak peek. Yes, <laughs> and uh, yes, we'll get, get people's opinion because yes, we shall we, we shall see. Yes, it's exclusive content for our patrons uh, and and anyone who wants to tune in for the live show. So perfect. All right. Um, yes, I think we are good. Just checking. Okay. Yes, yeah, we are good to go. I think it's going to be a good show. We'll see. Have you done your one more thing? Yes, you have. Uh, yes, I have. Yeah. But it sounded like I knew what I was talking about. <laughs> <laughs> I'm getting experience at this this shizzle. All right. Uh, well, if you're sticking around or if you're watching, stick around for uh, just a minute. We'll be right back after this little intro here uh, with the show proper. So stay tuned. Welcome to Human Factors Cast, your weekly podcast for human factors, psychology, and design. What's going on, everybody? It is episode 222 
It's a lot of twos. We're recording this live on October 14th. If only it was February 2nd, 2022. That would have lined up well. Uh, this is Human Factors Cast. I'm your host, Nick Rome, and I'm joined again by Mr. Barry Kirby. Uh, good morning. Good Good morning it's, to you, sir. You did that because it's actually... The, 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 it's the fifteenth for me now, isn't it? Yeah, so I'm I'm in the future. You are again in the future. We will make future jokes uh, all night tonight uh, or tomorrow. We got a great show for you tonight or tomorrow. We'll be talking about transforming exoskeletons and what the point, what the whole point of them is. And later, we're going to be answering some of the questions from the community about uh, defining innovation. Uh, so some of those tricky boundaries of intellectual property and when you can use them on your own work. And we'll talk about optimizing strategies for dealing with low research budgets. Uh, but first, just a couple programming notes and community update. Again, we do have Human Factors Minute available outside of Patreon. Uh, we have all 85 episodes up there. It's going to be updating with the same cadence. If Patreon's not your thing, you could go do that on Spotify or Anchor. Uh, but if you do want to pay just a penny more, you get access to other things. Uh, Patreon commercial will be later. I don't want to talk too much about self-advertisement. It's just a thing that supports the show. Anyway, uh, hey, Ergo X Conference. Speaking of exoskeletons, uh, we have been invited to Ergo X. Uh, it's a thing that's happening. We will provide you coverage, presumably um, similar coverage to other conferences that we've covered in the past. Uh, and HFES 2021 is coming up for the virtual event anyway. And, uh, you know, we know we pick up like a lot of new listeners from the uh, conferences a lot of times. So if you are new to the show, welcome. If you went to the conference in person, leave us a voicemail. Let us know how it went. And we'll put that in our coverage a little bit later this month. Uh, anyway, I think it's time for us to get into this part of the show we like to call... Human Factors News. Yes, this is the part of the show where we search all over the internet to bring you Human Factors News. Barry, what do we have up this week? So we're talking about a product called Coma 1.5, which can either be a buggy or a powered exoskeleton as required. So we've all been in that position where we've tried to lift something and we've not lifted it correctly or had to carry it over a distance when you can't see the ground. Equally, we put... we. I've probably seen films where we've seen humans use mechanical exoskeletons to move heavy loads, be it Avatar, Alien, or the most iconic, I guess, exoskeleton has to be Iron Man. Uh, but we're moving swiftly from science fiction to science fact. So Coma 1.5 has been developed by um, Atuan, which is a subsidiary of Panasonic. Uh, it's designed to help both mobility and lifting. So it's a dual purpose uh, device by altern alternately acting as a powered buggy or a two-legged lower body exoskeleton when carrying loads. So the idea behind it is when the user is traveling on smooth level surfaces like you know factory floors or warehouse floors, they can just stand up um, on the rig, hold onto its two control arms and get carried along by four motorized wheels. It's known as boogie mode. And it offers both the smoothest ride and the simplest operation, according to the manufacturers. But so, uh, should the user need to climb the stairs or over an obstacle, the, the pushing of a button switch is the uh, setup over to a two-legged mode. It's for two front wheels, then retract back to form two powered articulated legs that follow the movements of the user's legs, following the, uh, supporting them as they step up and step down. It's also reportedly capable of autonomously, autonomously spotting and avoiding obstacles, utilize, utilizing integrated cameras and an AI-based computer vision systems. There's currently no word on when the device will reach production, but it does open up some interesting questions for us as human factors practitioners into the design, use cases, and issues surrounding the use of exoskeleton technologies. So what do you think of that then, Nick? 
I, what's the point? So look, I, when I saw this, when I saw this in, in my office hours, I thought this was such a cool, like it, if you are uh, listening to this, go watch the video that they have put out on this exoskeleton. Uh, it's in our news roundup. Um, you know, we've credited them for uh, sharing the video with us. So go check that out. If you haven't already, it's cool to see this thing transform, you know, that goes up to a flight of steps and then it like, you know, you can yeah. you can walk up the steps. To me, this makes a lot of sense for mobility um, where, you know, it, it's an alternative transportation method for those who maybe have uh, poor lower body strength. Um, that makes sense to me. The thing that I'm struggling a little bit is is with the lift loads, because in, in uh, at least from the design, it looks like you have to hold on to these like joysticks to to control this thing. And so I'm like, where's the lifting at? And and maybe it's something that you load onto it. I'm not quite sure, but they, they cite that it's for lifting. I may be getting too in the weeds here, but that's my general impression. Um, and this makes a lot of sense for mobility, but not so much for lifting. So Barry, what's your what's your impression of the article? I'd so I'd, I'd agree. It's, I mean, at the end of the day, it's it's been reported through you know uh, um, through through the um, through the science magazine, but is effectively I think it's it's like a white paper, isn't it? It's it's um it's it's promoting a bit of a product, but it's an interesting idea that they've taken two ideas and tried to do the whole pushing them together into one. So exoskeletons um, to as you as you quite rightly say to help low 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 limb mobility. It's something that's really needed. It's something that's um, well researched in, in likes of defense as well as um, you know aging populations and all that sort of stuff. Everything from articulated knees up to um, full, full lower limbs, really, really good. And the more we do need to more do more work in that area uh, for reasons I'm, we'll we'll probably go on to. And then also the need to do lifting stuff, the about the ability to lift heavy things safely, um, because people don't lift things properly. You know, get, getting back problems because you're lifting boxes when you shouldn't do is also a problem that we need to solve. So what they've done is turn around and say, right, let's try and solve both problems in one machine. And I just don't like it. <laughs> um, I, I think there's, like they say, the, it, there's, not, you know, there's no hands-free control. So if you, how can you do the uh, control it safely and properly when you, when you have to, when you, it, just, it just doesn't feel very intuitive to me. Um, so there, there's like also the, a, there's also a couple of things going on here too. It's not only just the control, but it's, a, there's a lack of this. Um, there's a lack of support. I, like you're just standing up. It's almost like just this mobility scooter for a lack of a better word with, with a, with a climbing mode. Um, I, I don't know. I, I cut you off. I'm sorry. You continue. <laughs> no, no, no. I think you're absolutely right. I mean, the other thing that I thought was interesting was this, this uh, introduction of AI to it as well. So it's going to stop you crashing into things. And that type of thing by use of its AI and its cameras. Now, AI is I we I was in a discussion just today about this actually that AI is something that we throw everything at. You know, if you've got a little bit of um, something, AI has to be on board of everything. And I kind of I worry with things like this that if you've got you know if they're going to suddenly stop you from doing what it is that you think you're going to do with the light with the lack of support above the waist, if you're expected to go in one direction, it suddenly doesn't do that because the AI has stopped it. Are you going? They're just going to fall over. Um, there's no back. So if you start leaning back on that thing, you, what's going to happen? You topple over backwards, and then the whole thing lands on top of you. Um, and if you're carrying a weight, then um, yeah, there's 
But I do think what I do like about the story for us is it does bring up a whole heap of human factors issues here that I think um, there's a lot of production items that, um, that that are in play that really need some good HF input. Yeah, um, I agree. You, you have a good segue there um, or, or a good tease for the human factors issues. I do want to get into like just generic background about exoskeletons. I mean, we've. I think we've talked about exoskeletons on on the show before, and and maybe there's a couple references you can look at for that, and maybe we'll talk about them here in a second. But just generally, uh, exoskeletons they're they can be defined in many different ways, and what qualifies as an exoskeleton is fairly broad. Mm-hmm. Um, I think in in the broadest terms, right, it, it's mechanical support for some of this muscular movement, um, and you know, if you were to go beyond that, I think it's you can consider it like wearable technology to either enable, augment or assist with physical activities. And and really, it's kind of the assistance of the physical body moving is ultimately what exoskeletons are. I think there's largely a... There, it's it's a big tent for what considered you know what yeah. is considered an exoskeleton, and uh, I I guess this falls under that big tent when you think about this story. Uh, anything that I missed there in terms of what they are? I think it is. I mean, I think we generally generally look at exoskeletons as being uh, force multipliers. So as you quite rightly say, so using some sort of um, support to do what you are doing already. So if you're lifting, it provides you more lifting power. One thing that we possibly um don't often think of as a as a skeleton is when you're providing uh, protection um so if you've got something you know that that's a, you know you could argue that a spacesuit is a sort of exoskeleton um because of the nature it provide it, it protects you from the outside environment however um i some I've, I've seen that definition fall under exoskeleton before i don't necessarily like it because i think it's a protective suit it's a protective bubble it's not providing you any more capability as such um, so that's a it's an interesting discussion to have because we've sort of seen it argued both ways, um, but yeah, I think there's it it, it it all depends what you're going to use it for, doesn't it? Because um, there is there's a there is quite a wide range of use. Would you agree? Just, just th- um, thinking a bit freeball, um, curveball that yeah, the, the you've got things like telepresence, teleexistence, which is you know using remote control operation. Um, so you could be using an articulated arm and that type of thing, and it could provide um, an activity. But be, if that's remote from you, even by a few feet, but not actually part of the exoskeleton that's uh, or part of the skeleton nature of what you're doing, I think that falls outside of the um, scope of exoskeletons. That's remote operation. I, w- so, I would agree. I would agree. And I think the difference would be if you had some sort of input device that mapped your movements mm-hmm. to the movements of that other thing, that control device would be an exoskeleton because it's augmenting your mo- motion, your movement uh, of your muscular, you know, your muscular movements with uh, input to another yeah. device, right? It's augmenting it. So I, I would argue that the device itself would be, but not the the controlled device. Um, let's get into what ex- exoskeletons are used for. I kind of alluded to this. Uh, we talked about it a couple times on the show. Uh, generally, they're kind of used for uh, industry, healthcare, military. There's a couple other applications, but those are the big three. Yeah. Um, you want to talk about industry, what what you can do? 
I mean, I, I think the obvious ones are, you know, around, you know, warehousing, isn't it? it it's taken there, the, the stuff that generally you need two or three people to do, lifting, moving, organizing, um, and actually using the exoskeleton to basically reduce the amount of manpower you need to do the job. So rather than two people lifting a box, if you can have one person lifting it because they've got um, got a me mechanical application, then, um, then brilliant. Um, I think you've talked about this on the podcast in one or two episodes, such as episode 151 with the industrial robot at CES 2020, or episode 66 with the Ford assembly line, and episode 43, uh, just off the top of my head, um, looking at lo loads for carrying large loads. Um, but yeah, I mean, industry, I think, is, is a real, it's it's a real fertile ground for this because, you know, it's it's an area, A, of high stress on the body, uh, lots of lots of uh, manual input, and lots of, it's, it's high risk, lots of risk of injury. So the use of mechanical, uh, so the exoskeletons to reduce the, um, the, the, the risk of harm to operators is obviously going to be quite high. What about healthcare? Yeah, so healthcare is another big one, right? You have um, surgery. Uh, which is which is an application where maybe it could steady your hand in some of those uh, situations or, um, you know, prevent you from getting muscle fatigued if you're standing for hours over a patient or something like that. So there's some applications there. We've also talked about, um, you know, exoskeletons in the healthcare domain before on the show. Surprise, surprise. And if you missed any of the references, I will say them all one more time before we start to get into the human factors issues. But we talked about having brain signals drive exoskeletons. That was back episode 205. Then you have uh, rehabilitation efforts using exoskeletons, uh, using artificial intelligence, right? You said AI's on board everything. That was episode 199. I realized that we had two exoskeleton episodes in uh, in a two month span. It was, <laughs> and then we had exosuits actually helping with stroke victims. That was back at episode 166. Um, cool. Let's get into military applications. What can you do with the military? Well, the military is is one of these things, particularly when you're talking about um, ground based troops. Um, but it needn't be just that because the obviously the military does include lots of logistics and and that type of thing, which is alludes to what we've already talked about with, with the warehousing and stuff. But fundamentally, you're looking at augmenting the soldier capability. So you, you could immediately start thinking about you've got, you know, um, integrated weapon sites and all that sort of stuff and like that, that real high-tech stuff. But you've got the basic stuff as well, that um, soldiers are expected to move quickly and carry heavy loads in, you know, random terrain. So you've got, you've got all of these ideas um, of supplementing the being able to, you know, lower limbs being able to run and uh, being able to carry heavier weaponry um and just just heavier loads in general so um and again you, you've talked about this on a on a previous episode i'm, I'm pleased we've picked a topic that you, you don't talk around much but if you go around to uh, episode 94 and looked at lightning the combat load that's one of these these sort of things where it goes into um the, the sort of technologies that they've been um playing with in that way but it is in the military it is something that they're constantly looking at all the time and and knowing in the with the work we do in the UK, that is still something that is very much ongoing and very pertinent. Yeah, is, I, <laughs> there, there's a couple other applications, and and yeah, you jest, but like I, uh, you know, it's re really we do have a lot of resources available for exoskeleton <laughs> stuff. We must yeah. like it because I always I always try to favor it because it's like it's a it's a topic that I wouldn't pick on my own, and I'm like, oh yeah, that's interesting, and then <laughs> it's a being you know and and really we have no excuse uh since we started letting the patrons choose the news so you know what it's it's off my plate uh but we have true. done a lot of them so so for some of these other applications though, i want to get into um 
you know, basic, basic level, uh, augmenting your ability to walk and run. We talked about that episode 139. Um, and then generally, you know, you, you have the healthcare applications, but I think you could also, um, use exoskeletons just for like everyday use. And especially with something like providing mobility to an aging population, right? It's not necessarily a healthcare concern, they're just aging. And, and so you give them an exosuit or exoskeleton or um, some sort of augmentation to help with muscle fatigue or uh, allow them to go further, faster, uh, without expending as much energy. Yeah. So there are other applications here. Okay. For everybody listening, get out your pen and paper. I'm going to read off all these episodes for you. Uh, and I will start with one that I didn't mention on this list, and that is our coverage of Ergo X uh, from 2018. We actually sat down and talked with Chris Reed and Dave Rempel about Ergo X, and that's a good place to start. Um, Ergo X was a pretty cool conference, and it was really awesome to sit down and like have everybody in their in their dorky exoskeleton sitting in this conference. And it was it was I say dorky endearingly because it was it was an awesome conference. And I can't wait to go back this year. I'm really excited they invited us back. Um, so we'll start with there. And then we have uh, I guess we'll start with industry, right? You have Lowe's carrying for large loads in, in their warehouses. That was episode 43. You have Ford assembly line workers. That's episode 66. You have industrial robots um, being presented at CES 2020 that allow you to multiply forces of carrying ability. That was episode 151. Then let's get into the healthcare domain. You have using brain signals to drive those exoskeletons. That was back in episode 205. Blake and Elise had a great discussion on that while I was out. You had rehabilitation using artificial intelligence. That was episode 199. And then exosuits helping stroke victims, episode 166. Then we go to military and we had a an episode on lightning combat load. That was episode what, uh, what 94? Jeez, 94. Oh, we've been doing this a long time. And then, of <laughs> course, uh, augmenting the ability to walk and run. That was episode 139. All right. So we've talked a lot about the applications. We've talked a little bit about the article. Let's get into some of the human factors issues because it's really important, right? You want to yeah. go over like the first maybe four or five of these? Yeah, I think, I mean... Just sort of refresh what you said about having so having so many episodes on this. Yes, there is quite a lot, but there's still so much to do with HF because they're, they're so new and there's so many different things. So the first thing, the big things that, that hit me straight away is around latency and control. It's got to be, you know, the 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 input signals from whatever, however you're inputting it. I'm not in the in the example that we've got is is through joysticks and things. But if you're particularly, if, you know, when you're doing sensors off muscles um, and things like that, if you don't have a good speed of latency, um, a high speed latency, then um, you're not going to be able to react in the way that you're going to need to. You you maybe do normal movements, but when you're going to, we talked about. Um, abnormal or maybe edge cases where you might start falling or you might drop something or start to something might um, start to balance uh, off balance or something like that. You need to be able to have the right have, have really fast latency to um, or a really like a short latency to make sure that you can do that. Then that leads you into control. How do we actually control these things? Are they you know we've got things like Elon Musk trying to do the brain HCI with us at the moment, at the moment, which brain HCI is a really fascinating um, topic. I'm not entirely sure I want Elon Musk in my head, but the idea about you have, um, you know, the, 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 your thought control to control the, um, the, um, 
the exoskeleton, or do you go, do, does it go off muscles, or do you have some sort of joystick control? Um, them two things, I think, uh, if we can hit them right, then almost everything else falls into place. But then the last the, the, the last two things I'll mention is around limit, uh, the limits, because we as, as humans have, have a range of movement. Um, if the exoskeletons don't have the same range of movement, um, or at least similar, um, then are you actually restricting people? And how do we make sure that people, um, you know, uh, respect them limit them limits? And the 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 limits are either on range of movement um, or just on the lifting capability. What happens if you you know the, you can lift two hundred kilograms with this with this thing, um, and you accidentally lift two hundred and five and it breaks? What happens at that point? How does it um, does it have graceful degradation um, and and things like that? So yeah, they're 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 my first four big hitters. Yeah, I, I'm going to go just a little bit off script here. I know we have this list of things that we want to discuss, but I do we do record these live, and sometimes we get comments that are just too good to ignore. So there's one from Barry W. in the chat here. Not this Barry that I'm talking to, but another Barry. Uh, he says, so basically, I depend on a mobility scooter because I have failing hips. I hate the looks people give because I use that thing. So in the future, if exoskeletons could be used for lower limbs, but one that's not too noticeable, that would be amazing. And I want to take the opportunity to talk about the human factors issues associated with that, because that is barriers to acceptance. Um, you know, and that's a huge human factors issue when it comes to exoskeletons. That's something that, um, you know, things like ease of use. Right. So being able to put it on, uh, you know, it, that's going to be a huge factor in whether or not somebody's actually able to use one. Right. Uh, and then you have. Uh, the number of people around you using exoskeletons, there's this whole social pressure, right? And I think this is what Barry's getting at here, where if you, you know, if it was subtle, if people didn't necessarily realize that you had an exoskeleton on, or it was so subtle that it, you know, didn't feel awkward or clunky to use, you might be more likely to use it. And then you also have things like performance. How does it really impact your ability to do things, right? Is the exoskeleton going to improve the way in which you are either doing your job if you're in uh, in a warehouse, or is it going to actually allow you to move faster, uh, you know, exerting less energy? So those are really important um, pieces of information when it comes to barriers and acceptance. And I did want to just circle back to one of the things that you were saying Barry, now I'm talking to you, Barry, the the control issue. Right. And and I think there's one thing um, that I would like to add to that is is kind of the cognitive load associated with control. Mm. Um, the, the more passive you can make that control to at, work with the body, the less cognitive load that you have to deal with in order to make the thing do make the exoskeleton do the thing that you want it to do. Um, do you want to talk a little bit about what happens when it fails? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I get all the best ones. Um, no, but I, to me, this is um, this is, the, it's things like this that are absolutely key because when things are working fine, then then it's brilliant, isn't it? And but rarely do things uh, work exactly as you want. So we all automatically assume that um, things like exoskeleton, use the lower limb example, is going to be you know fine working on uh, on on flat land. But what happens? To, I mean. Me and the other Barry, we both live in Wales, which is known for being very, very hilly. Um, and so, will it work walking up a hill? And if you um, if you're in the situation where you take it, so it might not be out of limits, but you work it in such a way that it does go out of limits. 
Um, what happens when you fall over or, or you fail? But what ha- then, then that leads you on to, well, what happens when it breaks down? You know, just like having your car or your bike or whatever, you know, you get mechanical failure. What happens if you're like halfway up a, up a flight of stairs or something like that and, and either the battery gives out or a mechanical failure happens and you're sort of stuck halfway up how do what's what's them sort of recovery modes and how easy would that be to um um to work and so yeah i I think there's loads of things around like that which will get solved in time but i think with um more of a human factors approach really early on like now um a lot of this can come to the fore and, and it'd be fairly simple to solve you'd like to think um but i don't i don't see i mean with the example we've got in the article at the moment i don't see that that is immediately obvious i think i think the article kind of shows me that they're thinking about it right they they understand that exoskeletons have to adapt to various modes and Mm -hmm. so you know maybe there is a hill mode in the future that um that can help with that type of thing. And yeah, you're absolutely right though. Like the, the design of what happens when it fails is going to be critical because, you know, where is the battery? Is it somewhere easily accessible or is it, you know, on your back where you can't reach it? Uh, Does the exoskeleton lock in place for heavy loads while you're carrying a heavy load? Or do you, you know, are you forced to drop it, which could be, you know, very costly to, uh, somebody or to you if it falls on you and it's not discharged in the correct way, right? So there's really important human factors issues that we have to think about. Um, I do want to talk about sort of these diminishing returns uh, associated with exoskeletons, right? We talk a lot about augmenting muscular, uh, augmenting muscles for better performance. And it might actually be the case that you design an exoskeleton for one part of the body and it might affect the way your whole body works and it might not necessarily be an improvement if you are straining another piece of your body um, at the, I guess, reducted, reduced, reducted is not a word, reduced uh, effort or I guess reduced fatigue in the other part. Right. So, so the way the body works holistically is really important. Um, you know, the, the benefits to that specific body part or region that it's it's trying to solve might be completely negated by its effect on another region. So that's just something I wanted to bring up. Um, do you have any other things that you want to talk about here, human factors issues wise? Yeah, well, the, the other thing I think for me is, is around training, because the, you know, you're going to want this thing to be useful, used by everybody. And if you're going to take the approach that we have to technology now, you don't have to have to have a user manual, do you? You want to be able to strap the thing on and away you go. Um, so how intuitive, it goes back to what you were saying um, earlier around the around the control about just how intuitive is it going to be? So you, would you be able to just get into it, power it on and start walking with it and it, and it do everything it needs to do, but also it look after you in a, um, if it does start failing, it tells you exactly what's going on and things like that. Or are you going to have to go and take like a degree course just to be able to go and use um, you, use your new exoskeleton trousers? So I think there's a whole bunch of stuff around that, around redu- make, reducing the training need as much as as much as practicable, so it's intuitive for use. Um, and then combine that with with this with the safety stuff we've we've kind of touched on, um, because there's not only the you know its operation, but fundamentally you're talking about mechanical parts. 
And so the ability, for, you know, if you've got your hands in the wrong place at the wrong time, um, when you're when the knee bends and yeah, you suddenly then you you now need an XOR hand because you just crushed it in your XOR leg. Um, so yeah, I think there's a lot of stuff on on that to be concerned about. But um, yeah, I, I think getting the right sort of HF people involved, we could we could solve a lot of that. Yeah, speaking of getting the right human factors people involved, I know uh, when we did attend uh, Ergo X back in 2018, there was active development starting on industry standards for exoskeletons. And I truthfully haven't checked in on that standardization effort since 2018, since we've been there. But there are human factors professionals that are thinking about this in a way that's going to benefit the entire industry. And so, yeah, we got some smart people working on it and looking forward to the future to see what that holds. Uh, let's get back to the article. I, I mean, we talked a lot about the human factors issues. We talked about the background on exoskeletons. Is there anything else about this article that you want to bring up before we get out of here? Um, I think I was probably a bit down on it to begin with, but actually you raised the point about it, 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 that transforming motion that he's trying to do he's trying to solve two issues with with one solution and i think that probably should be applauded for uh, for at least them putting it out there and tr- and trying to trying to do stuff i still think he's got a got a way to go um but it's an, it's it's a um an interesting next step i agree i i would i would offer the same sentiment i think i was i first um was excited when i saw this story and then i thought critically about it and then I thought critically again and was like, okay, no, there's this is an active effort trying to solve problems. And again, we applaud that. So, uh, you know, I one thing I didn't do was social thoughts. And I meant to do this throughout, but I don't think we got any. So that's okay. I will just say we did ask a social thoughts to see if anyone had used an exoskeleton uh, and 100% has been no. Uh, so that's, that's kind of crazy that, um, you know, I've, I've never used an exoskeleton myself now that I think about it. Have you? Um, I've, I've not directly used one, but I've had one. Um, I've had, I've I've stood next to one whilst it's been used. Um, (laughs) yeah. Anyway, so that's, um, that's where we're at for the social thoughts. Uh, and uh, again, just huge thank you to our patrons this week for selecting our topic. Thank you to our friends over at New Atlas for our news story this week. If you want to follow along, join me for office hours on Mondays where I find these news stories. We do post the links to the original articles as we find them. Uh, you know, and, and you can always join us in our Slack or Discord for more discussion on these stories. We're going to take a quick break and then we'll be back to see what's going on in the Human Factors community right after this. Human Factors Cast brings you the best in Human Factors news, interviews, conference coverage, and overall fun conversations into each and every episode we produce. But we can't do it without you. The Human Factors Cast Network is 100% listener supported. All the funds that go into running the show come from our listeners. Our patrons are our priority, and we want to ensure we're giving back to you for supporting us. Pledges start at just $1 per month and include rewards like access to our weekly Q&As with the hosts, personalized professional reviews, and Human Factors Minute, a Patreon-only weekly podcast where the hosts break down unique, obscure, and interesting Human Factors topics in just one minute. Patreon rewards are always evolving, so stop by patreon.com slash humanfactorscast to see what support level may be right for you. Thank you. 
And remember, it depends. Huge thank you as always to our patrons and especially our honorary Human Factors cast staff patrons like Michelle Tripp. Patrons like you keep the show running. Thank you all so much for your continued support. If you want to become a patron, we are always doing some new interesting things over there. Like I said, uh, I don't know if I plugged the lab this week, but we, we've always got some fun things churning in the lab and our Patreon uh, subscribers, our patrons are always kind of first in the know to see what's going on. We do release some bonus content over there. So if that's something that you're interested in giving back to the show, uh, you can do that. Um, we have a whole separate podcast for you over there. Uh, new rewards, fresh look, always updated, you know, all that stuff. Anyway, uh, we're, we're close to some of our goals, so consider it. That's all I'm saying. Anyway, I tell you, I think it's time we get into this next part of the show. We like to call it. It came from. It came from. Yes, this week it is Reddit. This is the part of the show where we search all over the internet to bring you topics the community's talking about. If you find these answers useful, give us a like wherever you're at. Help other people find this content. We have three of them tonight. Uh, and I'm going to start with this first one here. This one's from the user experience subreddit. This is by Susie XO. This is an interviewer stated they needed innovation. Uh, in a, I had a job interview for a UX designer at a fintech company. The interviewer stated that they are looking for high innovation, and he wants users to be amazed by the innovation. He then stated it is a chaotic company, and I'll have to figure things out by myself. He asked, how do you know if users will find the product easy to use? I said, there are several ways. First, through research and user testing. Second, if there's limited time, I can do some heuristic evaluation and look at industry leaders like Google. He then said, I don't want to hire senior designers because I don't want standard designs like Google. I want something different and new. He is not a designer, so I'm not sure if what he's saying makes sense from a designer perspective. The company is to help users pay their rent, so I think the main goal should be to make it easy and accessible to use. Barry, there's a lot going on here. I want to talk about innovation first, and then maybe we can get into expectations about what you, your job role is. So what is innovation to you? Well, this always makes me laugh in a slightly cynical way because everybody always innovation is such a buzzword at the moment. Everybody wants inno innovation. Not only does everybody want innovation, but everybody innovates. Um, and that's just not true. So... For me, innovation is actually not just coming up with ideas out of thin air, but actually the, the definition I tend to use is the transfer of um, an implementation from one domain where it's used to a to another domain where it's not used. Um, because generally, you, nothing is new under the sun. Um, things have generally been done, um, either done or thought of before. Um, you really get back to that, fir that first thought. So when people say about... Um, you know, they, they they want an innovative solution. Okay, they want, they want something they haven't seen before. They want something um, that's fine. So go and look, go and look in other domains. Go and pull that pull that sort of stuff across. And and then there's the other one around. Let's what what are we thinking outside the box? Um, well, that just means you haven't worked out what box you're in uh, because you're actually just in a bigger box. Um, and for me, it's really important to to understand your boundaries, which actually kind of gets to what this question is is about. You know, it's I like the um, the questions that, that that were posed right so do i have a lot of time to do this do i have a, a little little amount of time to get this sort of research because there's different uh, approaches you can take um which seems really good but then to have that um well i don't want to do what everybody else is doing okay um but depends how much money you want to throw at it i guess so we'll, we'll yeah. talk about budget later 
<laughs> yes, we will. But, uh, look, what, what does innovation mean to you? Uh, look, innovation to me is a lot what you said. I think there's a way to think about innovation where you are not as disruptive as sort of these startup industries, right? They, they, they are startups because they are disrupting an industry. And it, it takes a lot to get to that point. Now, to me, innovation is not, like you said, it's taking from other domains and applying it to the domain you're in. But I think beyond that, it's also improving on the margins of what you're already doing. And I think the marginal gains across sort of what you're doing, right? You might improve a process slightly over here and then sort of improve a process slightly over there. But together, they may bring up the whole process, the process as a whole, right? And yeah. so it's it's not just thinking about sort of the, these big sweeping changes. It's how can you make miniature changes across many different things for this constant improvement that always improves the way that you do things. It always improves the procedures that you're implementing. It's improving the designs because uh, some other industry is doing it well, right? So these margins, that's what I think. And then there's the discussion about expectations from somebody who's outside of your domain. This is yeah. from a design perspective, but this happens also in human factors where people don't necessarily understand what we do when they have this idea in their head that they want to happen. And it's a lot about pushing back and say, my role is to do X in, you know, human factors. It's to uh, improve, improve products, processes, procedures, services, uh, things for humans. That's, yeah. that's our role broadly for a designer. It might be to make something pretty. And I, 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 uh, don't want to be degrading there but like you know their 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 job is to make something that's not only usable but beautiful and and there's a lot of crossover anyway the the point is you push back and tell them what your job is uh maybe not in the interview but you know once you get hired <laughs> yeah it's it, it is one of these things though isn't it it's the how again cuz cuz this is a an interview it's it does give you a real good insight into what it is that you're potentially going to be going to do and an interview very much i still think is a two-way process that not only you, you want yes it, it's always so tempted to think that yes i need to get this job i need to get the offer i need to get the offer but there's going to be times where you just look at it and go actually what the vibes that i'm getting from the interviewer or panel of interviewers just means it's not somewhere i want to be and if, they, if they're asking you stupid questions or what you consider to be stupid questions or questions that are not relevant then what does that tell you about what it is that you're going into? Uh, it might just be that you just get getting um, interviewed by HR, which is fine. Um, they, they, you can't expect them to have a, a technical knowledge, but um, yeah, you, you've got to be able to take your own uh, take your own view on that um, about if it's somewhere you want to be. But yeah, as you say, if if they're as long as you lay out, and I think it's a, it's a bit of a problem that we sometimes have because we want to please everybody. You want to, you know, if somebody says, oh, and that it sort of does lead into imposter syndrome to a certain extent, because as soon as somebody says, well, I want to be like this, you start questioning yourself going, oh, should I be delivering that? Oh, it, um, have I got it? Have I got it wrong in myself? Um, then you give yourself a shake. And no, of course, no, I know what I'm talking about. Lay it on the line and um, and say, well, you know, you, you in this instance, you can either have 
lots of really original um, design and development. That's going to take time. It's going to it's going to cost money, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Or if you want something quick and dirty, then we'll go to you know we'll take on what what is good practice. Um, if you consider Google to be good practice, or whoever you take as your lead, use what they've done. Um, because chances are they're, they're quite successful. I've, I've I've heard of Google. I think they kind of know a little bit about what they're doing. Therefore, it's probably not a bad, bad lead to take. Um, if you want to borrow and steal, yeah, <laughs> it's kept me going for a long time. <laughs> yeah, same here. All right, let's let's talk about intellectual property. Uh, so this next one here is from the also from the user experience subreddit. This is from Neon Knights. They write, using my company's design language in a personal project. Over the past two and a half years, I've refined my company's design language to put to the point where I find it incredibly intuitive to design with. I'm a co-founder of the company, but it's owned by a large conglomerate. I'm working on a personal project and I've started designing off of, uh, I've started designing it using my company's design language because it was intuitive. I'm now struggling whether this is inappropriate to be publishing something that has a similar look to your company. I asked my CEO. He said it would probably wasn't a big deal, but I'm skeptical. I've been trying for the past two days to redesign it with a different design language, but none of them strike me as much as my companies. Do you think it's fine if I use the design language and maybe change a couple things, topography, colors, etc.? So this is a more important question about intellectual property. What's yours? What's the company's? And uh, Barry, I'm really curious to get your thoughts on this one. It's simple. Don't do it. Um, <laughs> and, and, and a fundamental thing. And there's a couple of reasons for this. So, yes, you can take something that works intuitively for you. You can probably put in a couple of changes. Um, as long as they're, if they're significant and allows you to be different to what, what it is that they've got. But what, yes, you if you're the co-founder in the company, but you don't own it, then um, no matter you opening yourself up to the the owning company, uh, whoever whoever owns it, coming to you and saying, actually, you you just ripped that straight off us. Uh, we own that. We we own this um, the, the, uh, the this design um, uh, this de this design uh, language, and you've used that for your product. Therefore, we own. Uh, we're going to sue you for it. It could even get even worse than that because. If they, if you produce something quite innovative, it's you, it's your own thing, and you try and go to market with it, then um, as, as your own personal project, because you've used their design language, then they could argue that they own, they now own your IP. So it's also worth check, checking your own contract around that, because um, sometimes companies do write clauses in there around that. As um as another example of this, so it's not using design design language, but if you I've known of some companies, if you talk about extracurricular activities on their email systems, and you talk about potentially a, a new, um, um, you know, new product or something like that that you're developing elsewhere, they actually have legitimate claim to your IP because you've used their system to talk about it, and and so legally they could, they sometimes can go in and um, at least give you a hard time over it. Um, I've known of one situation where they've actually taken a a product. That somebody's produced in their own time, but used they actually they spoke about it on a on a company email system to make that work. Um, so in short, I the level of risk I think you've got is quite high. Um, if there's something that that you want to actually, even if it's a personal project that you're just doing something for home or you know that type of thing, just do do your own thing. It's so much easier. Yeah, it's it's pretty cut and dry when you have uh, a situation where. 
it is a a uh, visible thing, right? Especially in design, you don't want to do that because you you can clearly tie it back to another company's thing. It gets a little bit more tricky when you're talking about IP that's more process based or procedure based. I would still advocate that you don't do it. And in fact, I there's there are I think it's a best practice here, at least in the States, where, yes, the, the company owns everything you do on their laptop. And so uh, if you do have any up, to, you know, any original ideas, I would say don't document it on that laptop, document it on your own laptop, uh, work on it away from the company computer because that can come back and bite you. Uh, they, they do technically own that. And so as for taking processes, procedures from one company to another, this is a difficult question because you have a lot of things that are standard best practice. Like if I did a heuristic evaluation at one company and I did it at another company and it was the same methodology, but the methodology was out there in the literature where who owns that IP? Well, technically, it's the person who did the research on it. And, you know, if it is an industry best practice, then you have the shared collective uh, best interest to ensure that everyone is using that methodology. So that way, products are the best they can be. And so it, it gets a little bit more. And I don't have the answers. I don't have the answers, uh, to be clear. But it does get a little bit more dicey when you're talking about uh, proprietary processes, procedures, but things like code and things like designs, those are easy to trace back. So just don't do it. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Just uh, <laughs> all right. We, we got one more here. Uh, anyone a researcher at a company with low research budget? How detrimental is it? This is by peanut butter person from the user experience subreddit. Hey everyone. Does anyone you, uh, does anyone work as a user experience researcher at an organization with low to little research budget? I'm debating if I should take a new UX researcher job at a small slash mid-sized company with very small research budget. How does recruiting happen? Coming from a huge organization with unlimited budget, it gets me kind of nervous. Would you rely mostly on customers for user sessions as opposed for, to external? I'd love to hear your experiences. Would this be a deal breaker for you? I imagine it may slow things down quite a bit uh, due to longer times of recruiting and getting the right participants. How do you deal with a situation where you have a limited budget? Have you ever experienced a situation with a limited budget, Barry? Well, <clears throat> like every day of the week. Um, this is, I mean, this is, yeah, this is day normal for me. Um, at the end of the day, I mean, I've, I've, I've never been in a situation with a company with an unlimited budget. I mean, that that almost scares me more because where are your boundaries? Um, I think the... I think with any research budget, you always have to scope it to to some level, and you're always going to going to um, scope it to some sort of time, cost, quality type issue. And and particularly with the UX research, going going for a small job, uh, small mid sized company um, with a small research budget, so you just got to tailor your cloth accordingly. Um, you, you you might be able to do less engagement, but you can but you you can do more novel engagement. You maybe can't um, utilize the big whiz bang, uh, really expensive tools, you know, the really expensive eye trackers, the all that sort of stuff to be able to do what you're doing. But there are cheaper solutions out there that you, the, you can be slightly more innovative in in your solutions to hook back to the other one. Um, so I think it's, I mean, for me, I, I like the challenge. 
I like the challenge of people coming up with, you know, a very specific budget, but wanting the world. And you can sort of sit there and say, well, actually, I can't deliver, I can't deliver the world, but I can deliver a significant chunk of it using these techniques. Um, so I don't, I, I, part of me wants the challenge of an unlimited budget. I don't know what I could do with an unlimited budget. That'd be amazing. Um, what about you? Yeah. So budget is interesting because there's, uh, well, I want to tackle this from two fronts, right? The budget is interesting because on some projects you have that built into the budget and you just have to consider how much you have at your disposal. Uh, and most of the time it kind of, you have an idea of the tools that you've used. You know roughly what fits into that mold. But if you're coming from a situation where you had an unlimited budget and nothing's off limits, then that's a little bit different because now you have to pare it down. However, I will echo that if you get into that situation, some of that those constraints do drive innovation and they do sort of force you to look into different solutions that you might not otherwise. And so having those constraints actually might help you. And really, when it comes down to it, I don't know how you feel about this, but really all you need is some sort of spreadsheet software and some sort of note-taking software. If that, pen and paper can do just fine. Some way to create a form for people to fill in information is nice to have, but you can do your job with kind of the bare minimum. And if you are coming and approaching problems from that perspective where everything else is a nice to have, then you can do quite a bit with just a small budget. Let me tell you that. <laughs> yeah, completely agree. All right. Well, I think it's that time of the show. It needs no introduction. It is just one more thing. Barry, what's your one more thing for this week? So actually, as an update from your one more thing last week, I've watched Squid Game all the way through oh. now. So I'm, I'm now in the zone. I, I get it. Um, but my proper one more thing this week, over the past few weeks, we've had um, fuel droughts in the UK. So we haven't had the supplies getting to the um, to fuel to the petrol stations. And so this has led me to now start really considering um, the purchase of, a, of an EV, an um, uh, electric vehicle. And it's been a really interesting thought because I'm the sort of person, I've never bought a new car before. You know, I've all, I always buy sort of secondhand used cars. And so this has been uh, an education, just the, the the sort of things that you can go and get up to. And I guess the biggest insight for me was going to the local garage. They had an unveiling of a of a new EV, and they don't have to treat you differently when you're going to look at a new car as opposed to a second hand car. The, um, the 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 customer experience was 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 very different. Um, so mainly because you're going to spend a lot more bucks with them. Um, but it was it was in but. Going to see this new EV was really like it's interesting seeing how the technology is moving on so quickly because um, we'd sort of looked at the you know the, the Teslas and things like this. This was a this was a Kia that we looked at, and just the more integration back into almost what a car should look like, but also making use of the gadgets. I just think it's now seeing it hands on and actually it's very different evaluating EVs from a distance. You know we've talked about Teslas, we talked about the you know um, automation technologies and things. But um, now seeing them quite up close with the potential of getting my own hands on one, it's getting um, it's getting quite exciting. Now, are are you going to go for like all the bells and whistles that allow you for some self driving capabilities or anything like that? Sort of, I've been thinking about it, but I don't know whether it's a bit like us having cruise control in the UK because we don't have quite the same long open roads that you have in the states to actually truly make use of cruise control. 
Um, in fact, I probably use con- cruise control more to make sure I don't speed in, in speed limited areas more than anything else. Um, so we, whilst we do, obviously we've got motorways and stuff like that. So you, you could use them. I was talking to an EV user um, last Saturday um, who they use it quite a lot when they're on the motorways and, and they quite liked it. So part of me is quite tempted um, just purely because I, I mean, I'm, as you know, I'm an absolute gadget geek, so I would absolutely love to have it. But it's one of these things, would you use it for maybe the first few weeks and then actually just not bother after that? You just you just crack on. Um, but I'd like to have I'd like to have the opportunity. Well, who knows if we get a couple more patrons, we might. Uh... <laughs> well, that's true. I mean, <laughs> it's, for, it's for the show, right? It's for the show. I was going to say the, 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 um, the human factors cast branded Tesla just just waiting in the drive. Oh, man. Well, I, I want to talk about my one more thing because it's a uh, it's a, a culture shock. What's uh, yeah? I guess that's the best way I can put it. So I just found out that well, I didn't just find this out. I found this out a couple weeks ago. But I am now using a Macintosh, a, a MacBook Pro for full time work, and this is an adjustment for me. And I have found that. Coming from one operating system where you know all the intricacies, right? I'm talking Windows here, but you, I know my way around Windows. And when I, I haven't opened up a Mac since 2016, and before then it wasn't since the Macs of the 90s where you had the big, fat, colorful back end to them, right? Uh, that's going to offend somebody. Anyway, I think <laughs> there's, there's a lot that Mac does right for the people that use their products. And to me, coming from a different product family, it's a hard learning curve. There's a lot of things that I fixed in the first week that I found myself going, this shouldn't operate this way. And I said, well, wait, no, the people who use this, it's this like conflict in my head. It's the people that use this understand it this way. And I don't understand it this way. So maybe it's just me. But then I'm like, but wait, isn't, shouldn't, I don't, and I've caught myself in these loops and I've also spent so much time fixing the things to the way I feel like they should be operating. And I'm, it, it's so weird because I'll, I'll be doing something, some long string of tasks. And then all of a sudden I will hit one of these snags that's OS related and spend another half an hour trying to figure out how to fix it or make it the way I expect it to go. And then I'll forget the task that I was initially doing. And that break in workflow is so detrimental. Uh, I will get used to it. It will be fine. But I'm just saying there's some growing pains. It's struggling, culture clash, whatever you want to call it. It's it's a little rough. <laughs> I, I keep on getting um, quite a few people saying, oh, you should use a Mac, should use a Mac. I've, I'm similar vein i've always used pcs i've had so I've, I've flirted with some macs in the past um and particularly the um or what's the boxes you can get that have got the intel processor um the mac minis um so i've we've, we've had a couple of them just to do some video processing and stuff um but i like them as well because you can use a two um two button mouse on them um but yeah i i i I feel sorry for you um, having to uh, to go down the route. And like I said, I'm sure it'll be fine in time, but I'd, I'd think I'd find the learning curve very frustrating. Oh, yeah. It is very frustrating. Anyway, that's going to be it for today. If you like this episode, we invite you to check out any one of the many episodes on Exoskeletons I've referenced through tonight's episode. We have a lot of them. Comment wherever you're listening with what you think of the story this week. 
For more in-depth discussion, you can always join us on our Slack or Discord communities. Visit our official website, sign up for our newsletter to stay up to date with all the latest Human Factors news. If you like what you hear and you want to support the show, there's a couple things you can do. One, leave us a five-star review. That is free for you to do. You can do that right now. Two, tell your friends about us. Word of mouth is how we grow. really helps the show. Three, if you want to give Barry a Tesla with autopilot on it, consider supporting us on Patreon. And as always, links to all of our socials and our website are in the description of this episode. I want to thank Mr. Barry Kirby for being on the show today. Again, where can our listeners go and find you if they want to talk about exoskeletons? On Twitter, you can find me at Baz underscore K. And you can also find me on the 1202 Human Factors podcast, which if you just go to any social media for hashtag 1202 podcast, you'll find me there. As for me, I've been your host, Nick Rome. You can find me streaming on Twitch every Monday evening from 4 to 5 Pacific for office hours and across social media at Nick underscore Rome. Thanks again for tuning into Human Factors Cast. Until next time, it depends. Stick around with us if you are watching. We're going to do a quick post show here. I kind of get the, uh, let's see, where's the, uh, well, first off, let's get the music going. And then we'll do the post show thing. That was a really solid show. And thank uh, you, Barry, for hanging out with us. He's, he's around for the, for the entire show. Um, for the entire thing. Yeah. He won't know now that we also do a post show, so I'm hoping to go off too early. It is very late for him, though, to be fair. Um, but, uh, yeah, no, fair play. And actually, he's, he made the point there, actually, that I was going to make as well, that around the, uh, it's the um, Android versus, the, you know, Apple versus Android thing as well. Yeah. Uh, I am a so. PC Android user. Oh, see, I'm a, I'm a PC Apple user. Oh, really? Which is a weird, I, I do like, I like, I like the, not so much for me, because I, uh, but, because we use them, um, I went through a spell of buying, buying them for all of my uh, all, all of my team, and some are more technologically than others. And so, actually, I like Apple because it's solid. Uh, the the user interface for the phones is you know you, you can't really mess it up. It's it's really intuitive. Um, but I personally prefer the Android one because you can do more with it. You know, you widget and things like that. Um, so, um, but it's it, it's like a load of things that the. Um, Apple just have to do their own thing, don't they? Um, they do. Like they don't like to conform. Yeah, it's yeah. uh, it's both annoying and understandable. I guess like you know they think of themselves as trendsetters, and they are. Yeah, well, and they uh, have. Yeah, Absolutely. there's there's things that you know Google and Microsoft have stolen from them. Uh, and so, you know, I think there's there's always that argument of like well apple did it first like like iphone was revolutionary that was the first Absolutely. big um you know big screen phone in your pocket right touch screen all that stuff that was all brand new that was them so there's merit to it right i get it um i just am a android pc user and i'm really excited i'm i i can't wait to make this one my one more thing uh whenever windows 11 adds the capability to do android apps through uh windows 11 oh, i didn't know that was coming that's coming quite cool. uh, natively without anything like blue stacks or anything like that so it'll yeah. be uh it'll be interesting to, to see how they perform uh yeah and it's uh yeah, I mean, because also that'll help with the um, development as well, actually. That'll it absolutely will. Yeah. Life a bit easier in that respect as well. But, um, I don't oh. know if Apple used uh, iPhone or iPhone used Samsung screen. I think that sounds 
Yes, I think they did. They, I was in fact, I was watching TikTok the other day that sort of highlighted that they that they do. Um, so, but also because iPhones also use, well, no, so Macs now you also use Intel processors as well, don't they? So um, it's all just everywhere. Yeah, everyone's using everything. It doesn't matter. <laughs> Use what you like. That's that's <laughs> that's what I'm. That's kind of the camp that I, you know, like Android and PC are right for me. But use whatever is right for you, because ultimately. Uh, anyway. anyway, I need your opinion. Oh yes, uh, yes, please, please share. Because... Hang on, I will kill the music here. Right. If this works properly, right, you should probably be familiar with what my old one was, which, if this works right, should be this. Welcome to twelve oh two. So the yeah. human. You're aware podcast. of that, so quite the podcast. It's quite American because it's a it's an American done, but it's very beat. Okay, in between. So let's switch that off. This is the the new one, and go. Welcome to twelve oh two, the human Ooh. factor podcast. The podcast that covers all things about humans, technology, technology. and particularly the bit in between. That's a banger. That's that's great. You like that? That's good. I, I do. Hey, play it one more time. Welcome to 1202, the Human Factors Podcast. The podcast that covers all things about humans, technology, technology. and particularly the bit in between. Yeah, my one, I guess, I, I wouldn't even call it a criticism. It's just a little distracting. Is is the first two um the, the first two words, welcome to, kind of sounds sing-songy to me. Uh, almost oh, like yeah. they're singing along to the track, yeah. And I was, I was about to be like, "Oh, did did he d- develop a full on like uh, a full on track to this where it's like, <laughs> you know, sung and everything, <laughs> a no, singing intro?" No, uh, not quite. But to be fair, again, it was an, an, another one of my fi- uh, purchases through the Fiverr gig platform, um, and she's done an absolute sterling job. So I've got outros as well, as well as she's redone all the adverts for me. So it's all in the same sort of line um so i think for the next interview which i think i'm doing on monday if i remember what my calendar looks like then um we're going to use these ones and and go with it and because we've also now i'm going to move my podcast from the barry.kirby website we've now got the 1202 podcast website in its own right Ooh, are Uh, you uh what service are you using for that are you using anything fancy or wordpress okay so we use WordPress with the um, so I use uh, Blueberry as my as the podcast host. Okay. If you, um, if you want um, if you want an affiliate link for for PodPage, if you're interested in that, I can give you like a little demo and everything. It's it's what we use for ours, uh, and we really are happy with it. It's got a oh. lot of bells and whistles on it that um, that are built exclusively for podcasting, and it's just awesome. So if that's something you're interested in, I'm happy to do like a little demo for you. And so I might do what what I'm trying to do at the moment is so I've got a um I say I've got the WordPress on it and I've got a, a theme on it which is supposed to be a, a podcasting theme, but so more specific than the one I had. Um, so I'm playing with that at the moment to see if it works and everything. So I'm that's what I've been doing sort of this afternoon, this evening, which is why I was late to do the show notes and stuff. Um, because I'm just back into I, I quite like getting back in stuck into the nuts and bolts of some so it's not proper programming, but you know what I mean. Yeah. Uh, or designy bits. So that's like the admin stuff. Yeah. So getting stuck into that and then um 
So we'll be playing around with that and we'll see how that looks. So next week I'll I'll give you a, a preview of how that's coming along and um and you can and you can see what you think. Yeah, hang so, on. We're in the post show, so I can show you. Um we're not on the show show, so I can I can share awesome. my screen. Let me uh let me show you what pod page looks like behind the scenes. I'm not selling right now. I'm just it's, <laughs> it's a product that I appreciate and want others to know about because it has made our transition to the website uh, tremendously easy. Um, and let's see here, PodPage dashboard. Yeah, so on PodPage here, let me share my screen with you so you can see this. And for everyone watching live, for everyone listening on the Patreon, we'll, I'll try my best to uh, describe what's going on here. But um, here, so here's my screen. So with PodPage, you log in, and and basically what they do is they they ask you, hey, what's your domain? I'll just and, point out your screen here. Yeah, uh, I'm I'm pulling it up right now. Um, they they ask you, what's your domain? Uh, so it'd be 1202.com or whatever you have, right? 1202, the Human whatever yeah, yeah. it is. And then they ask you for your URL, and they populate everything else. They ask you for you know your theme, um, like how do you want to set up your website? So like I think. You'd come in here and you'd go to page designer. Yeah, yeah. That was the first thing. And then you say, okay, well, what's what's the theme that you want to use? Uh, and you can customize it where you are. Uh, where's the theme and stuff? I, I do. Oh, yeah, here you go. Fo colors, fonts, buttons. It's all there. I guess you start at the top, and that's the way they've built it, right? So you uh, select your colors. Um, you select your fonts. Uh, you select your button shape, and then you go back to the page list, and then you select your header, sidebar, footer, in your template. I guess it's not it's not theme; it's template, right? And they have all these templates that you can pick and choose from, and um, uh, it gives you like some freedom with what you want it to look like, right? Like, do you want your latest episode up there? Or do you want just a little bit about your show up there? We have this one right now, uh, or actually, I think we have one down here somewhere. Um, I think we're carbon. Uh, but anyway, you, you have some flexibility here and you can turn on certain aspects of it. It'll give you a live preview of what that actually looks like with the data from your website. That's the one that we have. We have Crystal. Um, and it's it's pretty cool. So if I choose one of these, it would change the entire website right now and I can change it right back. Oh, that um, looks so do you host your... Presumably you don't host the audio files on there as well. You post them separately no we just post them to soundcloud and it imports everything through um through the rss right. yeah so you put it on soundcloud and it, and it brings it in yeah so i can yeah do that the way. yep i do want to change our soundcloud though ultimately because it's not very good for stats uh and understanding our listenership so i do want to change that but um yeah this is great i mean you know you can link up videos to it i know you don't really do videos for 1202 but um we might you know you can you can highlight certain episodes uh, and be, you know, like, hey, this is a great episode. You should check it out. The user UXPA recap, the NEC recap. Um, and it's it's like I said, it's very intuitive, very easy to use. If you like I said, if you want an affiliate link, you let me know. Send me an affiliate link because I think that that could be quite um, a lot less hassle than what I'm trying to do at the moment. It's oh, dude, it's so powerful. It's so easy to use. And like. You just come in and like, what do you want your episode pages to look like? Do you want it to be, um, you know, do, do you want to include all this stuff in it? Maybe not. You know, there's a pro version, but then it's like you can even 
you can even specify this thing called a signature, which is what we use, right? So this yeah. is everything south of, uh, you know, in the show notes, if you think about it came from. Oh, yeah, yeah. Everything south of it came from, we have, you know, follow me, follow Blake, uh, join us on Discord or Slack. So if anything changes, we just change it once on here and it updates across the entire website. We don't have to worry about it. Um, Clever. It's, yeah, it's actually... Yeah, if you could throw me a, a link to that, that would be awesome. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. Actually, if you go to uh, <laughs> here, I'll send it. I'll send it to you. But I have it on. Uh... Spelt it wrong. What are the Hume Hume factors? I have I have the link for you. Uh, and if anyone watching or listening is interested, I I do have it available for you. Uh, resources is where you want to go, and then you go to website built by Pod Page, and that there is the affiliate link. Oh, cool! So, oh, look, I can nail that. That for you. Cool. Yeah. So I've put in just above that. I put in where my design so far. So if you wanted to uh, click on that on the on yeah, the, I will. Uh, oh no. That affiliate link is broken. Oh no! I gotta fix that. I will fix that, uh, <laughs> and I will get you the proper affiliate link. Um, yeah. Let me let me click on yours though and see what's going on with yours. It is live, so anybody can see it. So that that's absolutely fine. It's twelve o two podcast dot com. Oh, look at that. So it's obviously the, none of the episodes are transferred yet because I haven't transferred the um, the RSS feed. And why doesn't my host come up? My, I should have come up in the post link there, so that isn't working either. Um, but yeah, this is the this is two three hours worth of effort this afternoon. Um, okay, it, it's kind of it's getting there slowly. It took me ages just to work out how to put my logo in the top left corner, um, but it, it it's sort of getting there. Um, yeah, I needed now as much as she's quite pretty there. She's got nothing. I, some people say no, you should just leave that there because it looks like a proper thing. But I was like, but it doesn't. It's not actually personal to us, so I'm, I don't like doing that sort of. Yeah, you should try. You should try your best to recreate it. You know, where you know you're you're like, I don't know, reading a book in front of. You. Hang on, I, I'm going to try to recreate it right now. If you want, you can use me on that. And uh, so let's see here. Could you facing? Wait, no. So my my camera's reverse, so it looked like this. Right? Oh, wait, hang on. I have something in front of my face. I just realized here. Here's what we'll do. We're gonna make it this view really quick. <laughs> I'm gonna try my best to uh, emulate this. This is fun uh, for especially the audio <laughs> for <our> patrons. <laughs> like what? <laughs> hang on. Okay, so here we go. So she's got the book, uh, like somewhere, what around here? Is that a book or is that a tablet? This is this is a book. Oh, it, no, is she, oh, she she's probably got a tablet. Yeah, she's probably. Good uh, well, I'm I'm just gonna pretend it's a book and okay, like kind of look up like this, right? Hang on. Yeah, I feel like the mic's got to be higher so that way I can go like this. It's like this and looking down, and maybe she's a little also, bit angled. And she she also looks like she's enjoying herself. Okay. <laughs> there you go. Snap it. Oh, I need to... <laughs> and upload it to your site. There you go. There you go. Nice print screen job. There you go. That, <laughs> I'll be up by the morning. That's, uh... Perfect. You can use that as a placeholder. <laughs> <laughs> that was fun. Uh, oh. So yeah, so that's that's my that's my hobby of the next um, 
couple of weeks. But I, like I say, if you if you send me the the link, then hopefully that'll um yeah um we 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 might go a different route. Oh man, that guy looks like he's having fun listening to your show. Yeah, see the, what they've what he's done is he's given given me a um you know they give you a demo version of all the pages so i've actually got to go through and first go and strip out all of the pages that because it's great to see the different versions but i prefer to see that on a different site because all he's done is make this site really slow um right. and so in fact i'm got i'm getting to a level of frustration that um again i need it's one of these things you need to spend a bit of time and immerse yourself in it to um to really truly understand where all the widgets are and and, and everything um and it's yeah. because i'm doing it I, I was tempted just to copy my Barry Kirby side over and and just mess around with that. But then I saw this this theme that was supposed to be podcast friendly, which it sort of is. Um, but it I don't think it links in with Blueberry as, as well as I would like it to, which which is where all the um all the audio is stored. Um so yes, I might it might end up looking very different by next week once I if I get frustrated with it and decide I can't be bothered. Yeah. I will say with this one, um, you, like I said, you just give it a couple pieces of information. It populates the whole thing. It pulls in your reviews automatically from all the services that it's linked to. Uh, it's just, it's so great. Um, it allows you, oh, Barry, dude, this is going to help you so much for yours. I totally forgot. You have guests on your show all the time. So yeah. uh, there's this thing called guest intake. I think I had you fill it out before I had you come on the show. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I can show you what that looks like from the back end. So you filled that out. You saw what it looked like. Yeah. Uh, this is the guest intake page for everyone listening, watching. It's basically where anyone who wants to be a guest on the show, I'm not going to actually show the URL. Ah, it's there. Anyway, from the... Because <laughs> now I'm going to get spammed with it probably. Maybe, I don't know. Uh, it's probably fine. But they they allow you to you know fill out like a confirmation oh, message, cool. uh, yeah. scheduling form. You have a link to it if if you if that's a thing. Um, if there's a questionnaire that you ask, you can send out like a Google, um, forms link or anything like that. And what that looks like from behind the scenes is if you go to, uh, I guess it would be, um, hold on. It's easiest to get from here, I think. So if you have manage guests, it's right here. I think it's under. Uh, you click around, you probably find episodes, yeah, guest profiles. This totally. is what it looks like from behind the scenes over here, right? Mm -hmm. So you have put in your information mm -hmm. um, and I can send you an email from behind the scenes here. I can tie you to certain episodes. So that way, um, as I go to your guest profile, you know, you can see uh, all your information's right here. I can update things. Um, so actually I'm going to update your website. So that way it says, uh, 1202 podcast, if anyone yeah. gets on it, right. Um, or, or unless you want me to keep this one here. Uh, it's your call. Yeah, no, well actually 1202 will end up being the, I guess my more ergonomicsy stuff anyway. The Barry Kirby one will end up going more political. So understood. We'll just keep this one then. <laughs> <laughs> well, the, the the podcast originally when I first set up the podcast, uh, the, first set up the website, it was a blog because um, I do in my with what spare time I have, I also dabble in politics, um, and um, and then I started doing the podcasting more, and and so that's one of the reasons why I've I sort of tried. I, I had to go at the podcast, then with a view to if I did, if if it gets all right, I'll I'll do a website, and just never did the website, and so now we've got to a point where you know we've 
we've redone all the branding and all that sort of stuff. And I was like, I've just got to bite the bullet and have a um, have another web, um, have a proper twelve or two website, so then we can deconflict everything. Yeah. So if if you were to go to our website here, you can see. Oh, hey, look, there you are. Um, like, let's say, let's say this was our latest episode, which I guess it is at this point, right? Because we haven't put out the new one. Your, um, I've attached you to this, so your name is down here. I click on your name down here, and I can see everything that you've ever been a part of on our show. And oh, I like what this guy has to say. I want to go listen to other things that he said. Um, that's really cool. So, I mean, dude, it is it is built for podcasting, and I love it. And let me get you. Uh, yeah, here it is. Earn 20% as an affiliate. Um, so this will get us 20% off of our next. Uh, cool. Everyone's a winner. Join Friends of Podpage. Oh, I have to be a friend now. They apparently didn't make it for everyone. Anyway. Oh, Luke Skywalker. This guy's got a good head on his shoulders. <laughs> And and I will say the customer support for this is just phenomenal. Um, cool. So anyway, that sounds good. Uh, I will I will stop advertising for because <laughs> it really is good. It is really good. Um, awesome. But yeah, I'm filling this out now. I probably uh, probably get this to you later. Awesome. Yes, there's no rush because I'll go to bed soon, and then you got loads of time. Oh, hey, look at that. It's uh, the wrong layout. There we go. That's the one I wanted. We were very close in. I don't have too close to you. That would be, that'd oh, be man. the Atlantic and oh, wait. stuff. That's weird. Oh. That's because I already am a member. Let's see here. So apparently what they've done is you can be an affiliate without having the thing um oh that is the correct um ah uh, there it is okay so it was just a different link there it is it's it's podpage.com via human uh, yeah. uh and actually while we're while we're at it um i will show you how easy it is to Again, here's whoops. Here's one more demo of how easy it is to update something on your website, right? I don't know. I don't know what I've not used uh, WordPress, so I don't know what that looks like from that end. But uh, let me just show you. So I have the link copied, and we have our own resources page. You can make your own pages and everything. Mm -hmm. so Coming to resources uh, under page content, you can see here. This is the old bad link. I'm just going to come in here and replace that sucker with that and save it and save the page and now that page is updated that's it cool um so if anyone were to go to that they would be able to so our affiliate link is live if you're interested in pod page if you're interested in starting a podcast and want to do all that you can certainly do that uh anyway yeah we got about 10 minutes here in the post show uh anything that's on your mind that you want to talk about I'm just you want to think. Play, you you want to play that intro one more time while I have the music killed? I, I like that intro. Do it one more okay. time. We can. Um, I'll play you the outro. Actually, see what you think of it. Oh yeah, do the outro. There you yeah, go. As well. Thank you for listening to Twelve O Two, the Human Factors Podcast. Please do get in touch with your thoughts, questions, and comments. You can contact us on social media such as Twitter, LinkedIn, and Facebook at Twelve O Two Podcast. See you next time, and remember, it's more than just common sense.
That's awesome. Oh man, that's it's quite punchy, isn't it? That is a banger. I feel built. like I'm in a club listening to your show. See, I'd, I didn't. That's where I had the slight quandary, you see, because the other one is is, is much more formal, I guess, in, in many ways. Of course, but then I, I think it's largely because of, that's all I've listened to for the past two years. You know, whilst you know, you're so used to listening to your own, um, your own, your own musical identity, I guess. Yeah. Uh, and so then when what I wanted, I, I wanted something quite specific with this, and that's exactly what they've done, which is, uh, but it's so different. I'm like, is it the right thing? I think it is. I'm, I think I'm, quite, I think I'm very happy with it. Um, so yeah, no, I'm quite, I'm quite looking forward to the, um, to the, to the next interview so we can unleash it. Yes. That's awesome. Very cool. Speaking of which, we, we still need to do that at some point. Yes, that's true. <laughs> right. Let's, let's, let's do it. But you've, you've messed it all around now by, um, by getting a new job and stuff. Oh, I know. I know. It's, it's fine. It's fine. Um, right. What are you doing next week? How busy are you next week? No, oh, I, let's see here. Uh, week, next week. week, week of the twenty fifth. Let's see, week of the twenty fifth. Um, I have I have a family in town on the twenty fifth. Uh, let's see. I might be able to swing. I might be able to swing like twenty five. I can I can probably do twenty five. Uh, my twenty five. So uh, with enough notice, I could probably do late evening for you. Is that okay? Yeah, that would be perfect. Um, okay. yeah, so work out what you time sh- shoot for like, uh, like 2100 your time. We can do that. Absolutely. Right. Okay. So that on the 25th, I shall, I, I'll pop it in my thing as a, um, Nick, I will send you a, um, are you, are you a teams or a zoomy person? Uh, I am a professional preferred zoom i guess uh, out of the two well i don't have a you know what just it, whatever whatever your pr- preference is yeah. I, I i use teams for work and so it might okay come yeah, yeah. up yeah. as a thing i um oh i might even try and use restream because i've got that set up Ooh. i know right uh but just as a, as a recording not as a not as a live stream yeah uh, yeah I'm, I'm we can we can do it through that too yeah absolutely yeah. Yeah. so um i might i might use you as a slight experiment that's fine. Uh, yeah, let's do it. Cool. Right, I shall send you a link of that in um, uh, an invite to that in the morning. Um, but no, that that'd be cool. Um, and I shall send you the plan and stuff because just like I, I try to plan things, sort of uh, minimal planning. Um, yeah, plans plans are nice. So, so, what are you doing for the rest of your week? You got exciting things on, or is it still just getting used to the new, the, the, the new desk and the new job? Uh, still getting well, same desk, new job. Uh, I'm still getting used to it. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's it's been good so far. Uh, the rest of the week, um, yeah, I'm not sure what I'm doing the rest of the week. I, I think, uh, or I guess I'm thinking about the weekend when you say the rest of the week. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're we're going to a oddities. It's not a. It's a convention. It's like a. I guess convention's the right word. It's okay. it's an oddities convention here in in Portland, um, so that'll be fun. So what not, what what's there? What's... I'm not quite sure what to expect. Um, okay. it, it was uh, it was at the request of my wife. Uh, <laughs> so you're going to do husbandly duties? Yes, I, I'm still excited for it. Uh, I just haven't had 
uh, time to look at what's there. And I guess I could do that now while we're on. Uh, let's see here. So Oddities and Curiosities Expo is what it's called. And it looks like um, there's taxidermy, wet and dry preserved specimens, antiques, jewelry made from bones, skulls, and insects, original artwork, skulls and bones, curiosities, and all-around creepy, strange, and bizarre items. There will be sideshow performances and live human suspension all throughout the day. Oh, sounds like it could be interesting. That's a good time. That's it. Some things my, kid, my kids would enjoy as well. <laughs> yeah, it's... Um, yeah, we like getting spooky, you know. I was going to say, because we're getting close to Halloween, aren't we? So, are you, do you go all out for Halloween? Um, oh, yes, yes. Um, currently, we are in a... Uh, what you would call a flat. Um, apartment. Mm-hmm. And uh, we're we're kind of in the middle of uh, home searching. Okay. So, yeah. so for now we have something small scale. It's cute, uh, but yes, when when we own a home, we will have something large scale, and it will be like, I, I'll get really into it. Let me put it that way. So, cool. like my her her kind of preference for Halloween um, is like sort of the she gets really excited about. The movies, the atmosphere, the, um, you know, the costumes, the like everything. And she gets excited about the decorations and everything, too. Mm-hmm. But I live for the decorations where everything oh. else is kind of like secondary to me. Yeah. Um, I live for the decorations. So, like, I'll go all out and, and make probably something that, uh, you know, we're, our hope is that we'll have enough land so that way we can kind of invite people to our land and have them walk through a haunt. Um, yeah, yeah. And, uh, you know, building that is going to be a ton of fun and, and building it in such a way that it can be both set up and put down every year um, will be uh, awesome. So I think, you know, the planning is going to be a whole thing. And then um, we're hoping that, you know, year over year we build it to be modular so that way we can sort of rearrange it slightly from year to year but then also change up the theme where we use yeah, yeah. a lot of the same stuff but then you know maybe one year's pumpkins and then another one's skeletons and another year's spiders and another year you know and and we have kind of this rotating cool uh, so anyway i get really excited about that stuff no we do i mean it's one of the things that um we really enjoyed when we were in the states that um because we've been to the states around halloween time and stuff and we could take um my kids doing the same thing and you know I, I we just love it so um we sort of bought that back to the uk with us and we tend to do um certainly previous halloweens we tend to do with um some sort of fancy dress party some um they, this year is um we're not doing it as, as much but obviously the past couple of years we haven't been able to do it because of uh, covid and stuff so this year is still because of where we're at in Wales, it's still very, um, you know, the, the restrictions are still sort of here, but not we, we're in that sort of halfway zone. So we're not going to have a full-on party or anything, but um, in the way that we, we would use, used to do, but we're still hopefully going to do some, um, you know, get the decorations out and all that. So we've gone for a zombie theme this year. Um, so, like, you know, the kids can get dressed up, and well, I don't care where the kids get dressed up. I can get dressed up, and, um, and, and we can have a bit of a laugh. So I'm really looking forward to it this year. That's good. I think that's as good a note as ending to end on. I think. Uh, I think so. 
I think we'll go ahead and get out of here. So if you've been watching around, sticking around with us the entire time, thank you. Really appreciate uh, people who watch live and contribute to the discussion. It's always fun to hear and talk to you all. Um, no sign off. So anyway, uh, yep. bye, everyone. Thank you, Barry, again for filling in. No worries. And um, see you again soon. All right. See you soon. Bye. All right. Bye.